of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April the 24th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, keeping me from playing Battletech, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. We're going to be talking about this month's Game Club, which is 80 Days. We're going to be revealing our next Game Club game. The Everspace devs claim they paid thousands for a pro streamer who played like a fucking moron. <laughs> we'll have our weekly community corner. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hey, How are hello. you? Uh, I'm doing all right. How about you? Pretty good. So do you think we'll be able to make it without talking about Battletech the whole podcast? Cause we spent, Definitely not. <laughs> we spent a lot of our pre-podcast talkie time. Being like, oh, so what do you think about the new Battletech game? Oh, yeah, it's pretty great. Let's talk about all the stuff that we've done so far and our strategies. And, oh, well, looky there. And uh, how I have uh, this running thing of half-destroying my light mechs. Yeah. Although, to be fair, by me bringing that up, we're already talking about it. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, that's so. why I said, you know, uh, definitely not. <laughs> fair play. Fair play. Yeah, I'm tired. A little bit, and we're getting a late start because I went to a charity dinner that my wife helped put together this week, and it was boring. I hate <laughs> events like that. But Katie was uh, nervous. Just wondering, did you see why I tweeted you? No, the signal was <laughs> terrible where we were. Like I had basic cell service, but not data. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't my get your uh, working. messages until way later. Oh, well. That would definitely explain why you didn't respond. Because <laughs> I had a little story with a lady. So we yeah, there was yeah, a the silent auction. Head. There was a silent auction at this charity event because, you know, there are at most charity events. And we won some stuff. And uh, so I was waiting in line because, you know, Katie was, was one of the organizers for this event. So she was having to do other things. So I went to go stand in line. And the lady in front of me, dear, her forehead was the biggest forehead I've ever seen on a person ever. It was gigantic. And she was this tiny lady. Like, she was at best five feet tall. Like, she was way shorter than me. And I'm not a tall person. Um, And she was, like, super petite, skinny. But she had this massive protruding forehead. And I could not stop staring. I just couldn't help myself. (laughs) And then eventually she noticed. And she gave me, like, this like mean look and i just like nodded at her and smiled like i didn't know what was going on but she knew that i knew like she knew (laughs) and uh and yeah the music was terrible it was country and western i mean they had some local band i'm sure that other people liked it but i did not i prefer rock or silence or nails on a chalkboard (laughs) So yeah, but uh, what I tweeted you was the uh, uh, reference that I did in tech uh, in the uh, text I sent you. Yeah, Peace I brothers. see that now. I'm looking now. Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. Yeah, and then Jake was... just uh, uh, it's like oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, it was it wasn't like a terrible evening. The food was pretty good. They had a really good speaker who was a therapist, and so I went and had a little chat with her afterwards. Well, before I realized I had to go wait in the infinitely long line to pick up the stuff that we won and pay for it. But overall, it was it was all right. But now I'm here, and I'm ready to talk about things because there's a game I want to play. <laughs> so in order to do that, first we have to talk about the games that we played this week. Bam. Rach, what games did you play this week? Oh, well, let's start off with a game that, well, all my games are review copies this week, and one that I started playing and realized it's kind of shit, or at least in its current in, uh, uh, current incarnation. Hero Academy 2, and the reason why I think it's shit right now is its deck builder is horrendous. Okay. Uh, so, for those who never heard of Hero Academy, Hero Academy and Hero Academy 2 are a combination CCG strategy game where you put units on a table and you uh, move around, shoot one another, and then you try to destroy each other's crystals. I mean, it's pretty much standard for this uh, mini genre of CCG. And it has a lot of single player content, which I like. It has also a fucking steep price tag for what it is it's 20 bucks on steam yeah but it's going to be free to play and they basically just uh you know front and uh, front load you with a bunch of the you know paid stuff you know a bunch of uh, premium currency and that sort of thing right well, what i hate about it is the deck builder they don't show you a damn thing other than card art in the deck builder the deck builder that they show in the uh uh well, that's not the deck builder in the Steam store page. That's the uh, the library. It, or they've changed it since then because I'm looking at the Steam store page and that is not nearly what I had to try to deal with in the game itself. It doesn't show any stats whatsoever. So you're having to go through and click each individual card to figure out what the hell they are. And it is just atrocious. And beyond that, there was also a mechanic in the game that I absolutely hate. Alright, pretty standard for these type of games, uh, especially ones that are driven by units, is that they have individual power-ups, you know. A buff that you put on the card and it gets so much extra attack power or whatever, right? Pretty standard. Okay. This game segregates that into individual weapon types. So... If you have, let's say, you draw a card that is a plus attack power, but it's a plus attack power only to creatures that have swords. So if you don't have any active or any in your hand, you're shit out of luck. Okay. So that's something else that I absolutely hate about the game, just the segregation of the, uh, uh, some of the buffs. They're not all like that, thankfully. But a majority of them in the starting uh, faction are like that. And you get three factions overall, but they're unlocked via the progression in the campaign. And the campaign requires you to tweak the deck a bit to be able to you know, uh, beat some of the rather absurd challenges. Because some of them are just... Uh, it doesn't feel like it's trying to teach you the game. It's just, yeah, here you go. Go wild. But because I didn't want to, you know, mess with the atrocious deck builder, 
And uh, let's see, something else that, uh, well, uh, for uh, another thing is just the unlock process in general for some of the cards. So you have your traditional uh, uh, card packs, all right? But then you have uh, cards that are unlocked as you fill out your collection. There's a few like that, and well, let's use the pretty much the baseline for this uh, genre now, or I should say the main genre, the CCG genre, Hearthstone. There's only one or two that they do like that in Hearthstone, and there's a reason why. It's fucking annoying, particularly when they gate off the really, really powerful cards behind it. So some of the cards that you would build your deck around, you have to get a vast majority of that faction already and it's just a grind i mean more so than the usual ccg it's just right <clears throat> i'm really putting you off on this huh didn't wasn't the first the first one Hero was pretty Academy. much dropped really quickly wasn't it uh, yeah i played it a bit on about a long time ago when i had an ipad because the first hero academy came out in what 2012, 2013, I Yeah, I mean, well, let's put it this way. It has uh, Team Fortress 2 uh, characters on Steam. Yeah, and the first Hero Academy was pretty good, but it didn't have the weird, well, not the weird, the the card system, and it didn't, it wasn't convoluted. It was just a simple turn-based strategy game game that had the, you know, the equivalent of play-by-email or whatever, you know, asynchronous Yeah, this is essentially uh, that with a rather shitty CCG on it. Granted, I never ever got to play the original Hero Academy. I kept balking at it because by the time it, uh, I really paid attention to it, once the player base was probably gone. This looks literally exactly like Hero Academy, except with a CCG. Or the CCG elements. Because you had like a little card deck that you mm-hmm. built, and that was how you played your creatures and items down. Yeah, But it wasn't a CCG thing. It's just that's the way they sort of handled the randomizing your no, inventory this is, no, this items in your CCG draw. Now. I mean, right down to card packs, uh, several different flavors of card packs, I might add. There's one for each faction, but in order to get the ones for the particular factions, care to guess? You have to pay for them? Yes, premium fucking currency. Oh. And also, if you want to buy more than one card pack and get a decent deal that's also only premium currency you can only buy the absolute worst deal with the free currency they do trickle in the premium currency but it's it's built around the idea of a phone game where it's the four hour timeout you know so basically you would have the notification pop a, a, a few times a day yeah that's what it is in this and everything looks horrendously like a mobile game there's uh, no real hotkeys there everything is way 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 too big and all mouse driven and all uh, click and drag and everything and it's just uh there are some systems in it i like uh, okay uh, uh, one other thing um uh, it's kind of a math thing to me because uh, it's an odd way to handle the mana system is that you have a maximum of 10 mana, you know, just like Hearthstone. But you always get 5 mana per turn, and you have a holdover if you uh, uh, save mana. So that really makes it so that games are very, very flip-floppy. Granted, I didn't do a lot of multiplayer, mostly because I was tied out of, or blocked out of most of the 
decent cards, I think, but I'm not going through the single player content, and I was st- and I was starting to hit a little bit of a stone wall because I just didn't want to mess with the uh, deck uh, builder at all because uh, I absolutely hated the deck builder, and 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 then also it it was hard to figure out what was going on with the deck builder and and just the fact that it hit everything. And it didn't even fucking tell you what type of card, uh, uh, or what type of weapon a card would use. And sometimes it's not exactly obvious. I mean, you would look at the card, uh, look at the uh, character on, on the battlefield, and it's pretty obvious, but the card art doesn't always show that. And, ugh. Uh, but, uh, the, the mana system was interesting, but they also don't have a full mulligan system, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever you get your Hearthstone cards, uh, you uh, and pretty much any card or game in this genre is you, you know, you discard the ones that you want uh, or don't want, and they put uh, they go back into your deck, and you uh, uh, are able to draw new cards. This, none of that. You discard one card per turn, and that's it. No ball again whatsoever. So if you get a bad hand, you're fucked. Right. Yeah, you couldn't. Was there a mulligan in the first one? I yeah, but it also wasn't I don't think built that around a CCG. That's true. So, it wasn't built around a CCG. So you have a, a lot of buff cards. You have a lot of building cards, which uh, put down uh, 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 stationary units that d- does particular things, which has a five uh, unit limit. Uh, I-, I do like the hero power system, though. Once you're able to unlock the fucking thing. Okay, hero power power is new. Yeah, each uh, you you have a pool of eight per faction, and you only start off with two naturally, and the other uh, six are locked, and you have to unlock them by filling out the faction, which it's interesting because that allows a lot of uh, mixing in and uh, uh, creating custom decks. Uh, in theory, I mean to be fair, you know. Uh, meta is meta, right? Yeah. But, yeah. It's just a very, very, very bitter pill to swallow at $20. Especially with uh, a half-baked CCG on top of a fairly simplistic uh, strategy game. Yeah, I... I don't know. You said it was going to be free on release. It's going to be free on uh, Steam when it finally gets out early access. It's free right now on mobile. Okay. I might check this out when it's free, but it sounds like a more convoluted, slightly worse version of the original. Yeah, and they show a lot of screens from uh, the single-player random things, which uh, it doesn't feel like the single-player is there to teach you the game at all, which is irritating because, to me, that's part of what single-player should be and then expand upon that. Because it took me a while to figure out, okay, why am I not able to use this card? Because the cards uh, don't exactly give you a good idea of what's going on. They don't even tell you what the icons mean. You have to figure that out for your fucking self. Or if they do, I missed it. So it took me a while to figure out, okay, what exactly does this do? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, wasn't impressed in the slightest. But maybe, maybe uh, the CCG genre is not for me. 
I like... In theory, I, I like the CCGs, but uh, they're usually have just atrocious monetization. Uh, they feel borderline exploitative with the card packs and how... Uh, uh, well, especially with Hearthstone these days. Oh, Hearthstone, uh, where they cycle out the cards. So, okay, you pay 200 bucks or so for the expansion. You get to pay it for a year. And then we're going to rotate it out. And you do it all over. Yeah. It just blows my mind that people uh, pay that much for Hearthstone. Uh, the ones that aren't, uh, yo. Know, Already making a lot of money on it from the pro scene, which the fact that there's a pro scene for Hearthstone is also fucking hilarious. Yeah. I do really enjoy CCGs. I enjoy watching But them. I thoroughly dislike the business model. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I used to be a lot more, I mean, I think that this transformation is has been happening over the course of the episodes that we've had. <laughs> I used to be very much like, ah, it's free to play. It's fine. And now I'm very much like, well, there's good free to play models and there's shitty ones. And I don't want I blame to myself. play your game. I made you, I made you too cynical on it. Actually not in this case. I mean, you were a contributor, but I think Jim was the biggest one. Cause he's really challenged me to be like, Hey, I mean, you can have your own views, but have you really considered what you're saying? And so, like, I've had several conversations with him about it, and then we've had several back and forth, like, because he sent in letters to the show, and we yeah. talked about it. So, I mean, you certainly have made me a more cynical person overall. There's that squeak again. I apologize. Um, but, yeah, this one is not entirely you. So I don't know if that's a congratulations or <laughs> or I'm sorry. Better luck next time. Eh, don't worry. I'll, I'll keep working at it. Yeah, whatever Just works, crack up another card pack. And uh, uh, pretty much everything else is bog standard for this. You know, you open up card packs. Uh, you uh, If you get too many of the uh, multiples uh, for a particular card, you could disenchant them to, for ink this time. Uh, and uh, the ink cost is just outrageous it's actually i believe it's more than hearthstone's uh uh, uh, uh crafting cost and the f fact that you uh, can't just focus on the individual cards that are you know the good ones because you have to fill out your roster to be able to unlock some of the rather nastier heroes and uh powers yeah is yeah you know, it, it just feels like a huge treadmill more so than usual for these games because I do realize that there is a treadmill. There is that uh, grinding loop. But usually there's some sort of enjoyment in it. Yeah. And also it doesn't help that uh, there's no ramp up in the in the battles because of the way they ha handle the mana system. That's why I'm a little torn on the mana, on how they're handling mana. Uh, there's, uh, uh, you yeah, you always get five. And uh, at least the majority of the uh, cards that I was able to you know, look at in the uh, deck builder before I got frustrated with it tend to be at five or below. So you start seeing things very quickly. Oh, and also, oh, here's something I absolutely hate. All right. Uh, so we're back on the hate train again. Okay. Is the movement system. It uses a two... Uh, 
uh, phase movement system. Yeah, move and attack, all right? Pretty all right. standard for these types of games. With one exception. This game does not have summoning sickness. Okay. Whenever you summon something on the board, instead of having the two movement points, or the two action points, which you can move once and then attack once. That's your two actions. When you summon something, it immediately has one action point, so you can either move it or attack with it. So if you're on the attack, quite often I saw just, yeah, something big and snobby come down and attack and immediately kill whatever. And that was, uh, you know, your entire defense. It took a lot of strategy out of it, in my opinion. I don't believe the first game had that. I believe that you could use an item to summon a creature that could, or, you know, summon something that could attack when you summoned it. But I'm pretty positive that you had to wait. Yeah, literally Until every creature, if, if you summon it next to, or if it's a ranged creature uh, in range of, an enemy, it can immediately attack. Essentially, every creature has charge. Yeah. Which I disliked. There's a lot of fundamental gameplay issues with this game, in my opinion. That just uh, makes it a non-starter for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I might be misremembering that, but I'm like 95% sure that that was not the case with the first game. Yeah, no, I'm positive, because one of the items was like, it was called a summoning scroll, and it let you summon a creature or uh, one of your units, and then you could immediately, it could immediately take a turn. Otherwise, things had to be summoned and then wait. Yeah, this uh, immediately has one action point to, you know, do with it as you please. And as soon as I saw that, I saw huge problems with that. Oh, <laughs> I think it the game it, the game does have crossplay, so there should be some sort of uh, player base uh, constantly because you know mobile's uh, uh, mobile has a tendency to be able to accept this bullshit a lot more. <laughs> to be yeah, perfectly the, honest, yeah, the first one had crossplay as well. So yeah, when it eventually comes out on uh, uh, or out at early access, there you know there should be a player base left uh, for the PC players. I just don't see a long tail on this for P uh, for PC alone. That, and also, the single-player campaigns are, of course, locked behind the premium currency. And if you're getting the game free uh, outside of early access, you're not going to have the currency to be able to buy the uh, extra campaigns that gives you the special card packs that have a guaranteed legendary in them. Ugh. Yeah, that's not how the first one worked. The first one, the factions, you got, if you, I think there were two that were free, and the, there was always one that was free no matter what, and then the second one varied depending on your platform, and then the rest of them you just purchased. Um, but you could play all of them for the single player, like, challenges, but if you wanted to play them multiplayer, <laughs> you had to buy them, and I think the factions were, like, one one ninety nine or two ninety nine. But, like, you got everything when you bought them. Their entire pack. Now, in order to do this, uh, you have to go through the single-player campaign. I, I think the first three are going to be free, and they'll add more later. Because there's uh, room in the uh, filters for additional types of units, the different uh, factions. Yeah. 
which is a huge red flag for me. You know, they're already uh, playing on some huge expansions. But the additional uh, challenge campaigns are the ones that are locked. And they're the ones that give you the special packs that are, uh, are guaranteed legendary. Uh, I just... I'm, maybe it's just me being tired of uh, the CCG model. No, this sounds like a much worse game than the first one. In, like, every way. Um, so... Uh, so it's not just me. Nope, not just you. But hey, it has uh, good re- uh, views on Steam, so obviously they're doing something right. Maybe those people didn't play the first one. Or, or aren't nearly as cynical as I am. Yeah, maybe. Or both. Yeah, we, we need to get them uh, as bitter and hateful as me. So speaking of me being bitter and hateful, how about something cute and cuddly? Sweet. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, the Big Journey. This is also a mobile port, but I actually kind of like this one. It's a very okay. simplistic uh, physics platformer where you play this cat who really, really likes dumplings. <laughs> and his favorite dumpling vendor has gone missing and he's going on a big journey, eh, into the name, yeah. to go find said uh, uh, vendor. And it's a, a pretty simplistic uh, puzzle, uh, uh, physics based with a little bit of puzzle platforming that I'd uh, say is probably perfect for your kid. It, it feels a lot like BP's Dreams uh, in tone. Yeah, he loved that game. Yeah, this has a, a, a lot of feeling uh, like that in the, its overall tone. And there's some uh, jokes in it that I think you'd appreciate as well because he. Uh, one of the first characters that you meet, that uh, as you play through the game, you on little side tricks you could meet individual characters, and there's a uh, a rabbit who really, really, really likes ch- carrot juice, and he's talking about how it's a, a GMO free range DRM free. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Uh, and let's see, uh, he meets a bear who absolutely loves. Uh, honey, that that's called poo. Ah, uh, 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 you see what they did there? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's it's actually a fair, uh, fairly cute game. Uh, not a lot to talk about it, just because it's you know a, a pretty simplistic game, but it's one of those that, uh, you know, if you have a kid, it's worth checking out, at least. And it's not that expensive. It's in the fi- sub-$5 range. Yeah. I requested for a key for it, but I might yeah, just pick uh, it up out. Yeah, right. For, That's well, not right. very expensive. Well, I guess I should say uh, 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 it's not quite a, a full platformer. It's one of these games that is uh, gravity-based. So you actually tilt the world, and the cat just kind of waddles along and uh, 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 is pulled down by gravity. And that's really all there is to it. And this that's why I say that it's... Well, it is a mobile port, but yeah, really fits on mobile as well. Where it... Uh, the ge- uh, geoscopic uh, controls. You know, you tilt the phone and the uh, rolls to the right or rolls to the yeah. left. And you tap to jump. That's us. Well, I assume the controls are there. And that's what things are here. Only, you know, I'm using controller uh, uh, triggers to do that. Only real criticism I have is occasionally the... Game will uh, uh uh after you get past a ch- uh, certain checkpoint, 
it'll return the cat to or return the level to well level and because i'm not using a phone and i'm using controller inputs i have to release and uh, replace the uh, trigger which is a little irritating <laughs> yeah uh, but pretty much uh, standard overall, uh, three-star system uh, uh, to get all the secrets, you know, uh, finish in a certain amount of time, find all the dumplings on the level, or a certain amount of the dumplings. I don't think you can kill the cat. I know if you take damage, it loses dumplings. And as you eat more dumplings, you just get fatter and fatter. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you can see why I like this. It's it, like I said, it's a cute little mobile game. And just after me talking uh, talking about how I'm uh, cynical and uh, hateful, I uh, suggest a, a cute little mobile uh, port uh, platformer. It's only one ninety nine on the Play Store, so it's not got the full blown yeah well, mobile tax. I, yeah, I mean, there's a or, little bit, but I imagine that that's probably the Steam Direct tax because I don't see them selling a lot of copies. Yeah. But you can see the, uh, you know, the gifts and gives you on the store page to see how it plays. I mean, it's pretty much just, uh, you know, Toad and, uh, you know, the cat just rolls along, literally. <laughs> and every so often, it'll meow and uh, purr. And, like I said, it's adorable. Yeah, you're right. It's tilt to move and tap to jump. Yeah, that, that's why I figured it was based on the controller inputs on uh, on PC. And there's also some sort of uh, screenshot feature that they didn't really tell me what the button was, and I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> uh, where you could uh, post uh, images to Catstagram. Oh my god, Catstagram. I just, yeah. like, I'm scrolling through the images on Google Play, and I see that. Oh, no. What? Oh. It'll be fine. I'm just being a grumpy old man at this point. Is that a fidget spinner? I uh, didn't oh, encounter one. Jeez, that's a fidget spinner in the image. I'm out. Fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm kidding. But that's definitely a fidget spinner. Yeah, I didn't see that. But then again, I, I only played about half an hour of it, but I got through about two worlds. It's a very short game. That's why I said it's probably more uh, King Speed than mine. Yeah, you know, let him play with the cat for a while. But this is also one of those that it's, uh, okay, now you're sending me the link to the fidget spinner. And I never really paid attention to that. I, I think I encountered those in the game, but, you know, I just didn't register. Yeah. I mean, I I see what they're probably doing with those. Just yeah, making, yeah, like, they a puzzle element. They oh, rotate. Yeah, yeah they, you land on one, they rotate. If I didn't encounter those, I encountered uh, something that's similar. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's not them just throwing it in. It actually has a puzzle element to it. Yeah, I'm just being a little overdramatic. You overdramatic? You, the drama queen? Never. <laughs> but yeah, just a cute little uh, puzzle platformer. So, uh, shall we move along to something that's not as cute? Indeed. You just want me to rush along, don't you? Uh, yeah, I think I've only ever rushed you, like, one other time. <laughs> I can't remember what the other time was. I can't either. You probably had to poop or something. Uh, so, Dead in Vinland. This is a hybrid RPG management survival game. 
There's things I like about this and things I absolutely hate. Uh, probably my biggest complaint about it is the story elements in general. Maybe it's just me not enjoying the story or heavily story based, uh, well, strategy roguelike games because there's a little bit of randomization in this as well. Where if you replay it uh, multiple times, which this game absolutely fucking ex expects you to because it doesn't tell you some very, very key things, which I'll get into, you're going through the same series of cutscenes over and over and fucking over and then suddenly Bill Murray is dropping a toaster in the bathtub. <laughs> Man, that sounds that that sounds like it would be interesting. <laughs> uh but yeah, well well that also is kind of uh, on point as well, but we'll get to that. Where in order to figure out what uh, how to play the game, you have to play the game. It doesn't really hold your hand at all, which I kind of like. But a lot of the initial builds that you have to do really don't make a lot of sense on a survival standpoint. Such as, uh, for example, the first thing that... Well, you have two things that you pretty much have to build right away. All right? Pretty standard. You, you're started with a shelter, so... What would you, and you start with a water source, so what would you expect the first thing you should build to be? You start with a shelter, uh, a very you, start basic, you, a, you start with a very basic shelter, and you start with a basic uh, uh, water reservoir that you fill up uh, manually uh, it, you know, every couple of days to boil off uh, the seawater to make it drinkable. So, I would guess fire. Uh, you, or, uh, you're you're, you're uh, given fire. And you have to keep oh. that going. That's actually part of the gameplay mechanic. Okay, well, you get, so if you get fire, basic shelter, and access to water, I guess tools? Well, uh, for hunting, well, or gathering, uh, uh, or... Food of some sort, right? Yeah. You'd be fucking wrong. Okay. Because you're constantly scavenging the ship that you shipwrecked in, you actually have to build a tavern first, or a rest area, otherwise people get depressed and commit suicide because they can't talk to each other otherwise to, you know, kind of cheer one another up. Or they just drop dead of the exhaustion because there's no real way to allow them to rest outside of just sleeping at night, which doesn't do enough to alleviate the exhaustion. Figure that one out. So I had to restart a couple times just because I was getting people, you know, close to suicide and I was, or, you know, it's like, Okay, how do I deal with this? And then I started really sitting down and trying to figure out my build order. And I realized, the tavern first? Really? And also, really so? uh, you're very limited on your resources. So hunting is actually not an option. You can't even do trap hunting without the forge because you need the forge to make wooden traps. Yeah. Wait, you need a forge to make wooden traps? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, that caught me off guard because I, I was like, okay, okay, I'll I'll build the cooking pot uh, and I'll get the uh, hunting camp and get a, a better source of food because this game has a, an interesting mechanic where if you rely on one thing too much, let's say uh, you build the uh, the uh, the gathering uh, station, the uh, harvesting uh, station, so you're sending a worker out to go gather berries each day. 
uh, slowly, it ticks down the amount of berries that are available. So your worker takes more and more exhaustion to get the same amount of berries. But if you, you know, take them off that for a few days, it regenerates, all right? Because Tom works very strangely in this game. Well, right. It's like, okay. I like the idea of that mechanic. Yeah, I like the idea of it. And, and uh, it causes you to diversify. But the thing is that it's like, okay, okay, I'll just uh, move over to hunting, get some meat, and uh, cook it. Well, I didn't have enough arrows to go hunting, because that also requires the forge. And I expect, which I, I figured that, you know, I would need some sort of arrows or something. But it's like, okay, maybe I could build traps, because they talk about trap hunting uh, in the description of it. And the healing camp that I had, to, or the healing tent that I had to make, allows me to make bandages there. But the hunting camp doesn't allow me to make traps or allow me to make arrows. I have to go to the forge to do that. It's a very obtuse method. And I brought up the story element. The game has a set series of story elements in it where, uh, you know, event A happens on a certain day. Event B happens on a certain day. But then you could recruit characters to have additional story elements, which could have additional modifiers. Each character has five bars uh, to them. There's fatigue, injury, sickness, uh, disease, and mental or, or depression. If any one of the five fills up, that character dead. Any okay. one of the four starting family members that you start the game with dies, game fucking over. Okay. Well, I brought in random samurai lady I found the island. Pretty good warrior. Pretty good at uh, gathering. And uh, it was raining for several days, which is also a multiplier on certain things, particularly depression, because, you know, sitting in the rain, I guess, makes him all depressed or something. You would think that that would uh, you know, not be for everyone, but eh. So, several days of rain brings up my depression, uh, particularly on Samurai Lady, to about 60-ish percent. Then a story event hits where they start asking about her past, and they and they find out that uh, she had a, a son that uh, died, uh, that was killed. So that rank, uh, brought her depression up another 25. Then the rain for the third or so day hits she has 100% and commits fucking suicide and there was no way to really to avoid that because that's a set story mission or a story event and the only way to avoid that was to go far back enough that I could build the tavern to try to get her depression down but that was before I even fucking met her because I was having to try to redo my food situation. So you could see how I was starting to get irritated with you know, the game not being very clear on some things. Right. And also, yes. combat is annoying. I wasn't able to show this in the Sunday sampler because combat happens randomly. You send out someone on expo on uh, uh, exhibition and uh, you eventually... That will cause combat, or a set event happens that causes combat. Well, I wasn't able to show it, but one of the more irritating things about it, well, for one, characters start 
this is a jrpg style combat you know two rows melee and ranged rows uh, or unless there's two melee or melees in each row then they're both considered melee for some reason characters start in a random row you cannot set where they start so if you bring in two characters with shields that could actually tank some damage because the game does a split health bar system you could actually see that on one of the screenshots i believe where it has the red pips and the white pips actually for some reason all the characters have white pips but they don't on the at least in the beginning only characters with shields have them okay if a character uh takes red damage they take injury damage and the more injured they were in combat the more injury causes outside of combat well if you get a very bad roll on combat, where let's say you bring in uh, the archer, the uh, teenage stereotypical uh, uh, sulky teenage girl, because yeah, you know, th- that was in Viking times, right? Absolutely. You bring her into combat, and she doesn't have the white pips. All right, she uh, randomly gets put in the front row, while all the shield people that could absorb damage and protect her gets randomly put in the back row. Well, all the uh, enemies single her out, kill her before you even have a chance to act, then you add, um, let's say, 50-60% of injury percentage to her. Oh, and you take a negative trait on her because of the injuries that you have to spend another better part of a week trying to get rid of. But, of course, I'm not talking from experience here. Oh, wait, I am. Ugh. Like I said, there's there's things I like about this game, but it's just overshadowed by some fucking bonehead things. And also, it starts to get a little tedious after a while, particularly once you start filling out your uh, uh, settlement, because you start with four, which is you know, alright to juggle. It's it's the Sims problem, where there's so much movement each day on the, st- on the stats, particularly because of how the harvesting works. So your harvesters have to be watched very carefully. So you're ending up spending more and more time micromanaging them and not really, you know, progressing the story, which the big bad, you know, completely disappears after, you know, five minutes. And I'm assuming that you'll probably beat him at the very end to kill him, and that's about it. Ugh. Oh, and there's also a tribute system. Where I, where every week in game, you have to have a certain or a certain uh, thing for the big bad uh, to give him. And if you miss too many of those, it's game over. And I took a look at the cheat sheet for those. And some of them, if you didn't know they were coming ahead of time, are impossible. For example, one of them is a certain amount of smoked meat, like 10 or 20 of them. Well, the smoker takes time to build to begin with, or the drying rack, I should say. It's dried meat, not smoked meat. Well... Uh, the dried meat takes a certain amount of time. You can only draw five at a time. All right. It takes several days to draw. There's a chance that animals will steal the meat while it's drying. There's a chance it'll rot. And if it's raining, even a higher chance that it'll rot or just not dry at all. So, yo, it becomes, if you do about it, you know, you can prepare for it. If not, fuck you. Right. It is. Uh, it's 30 dried meat. And like I said, the dryer could only do five at a time, and you're given a week's notice. 
and you can only have one dryer. I mean, hell, some of the other ones are damn annoying as well. For example, uh, they require often uh, perishable things. And there's a system in the game where every, overnight, you know, a certain amount of food has a chance to rot. Which is, you know, realistic, but the fact that the tribute requires it is irritating. This is like, uh, shit, what is it? Well, there's the other game in this series, Dead in Bermuda, which is exactly like this, only Viking themed. Yeah, no, there's another game I'm thinking of that I are trying to think of that I'm drawing a blank on. It's a visual novel style game, and you're like a princess or a queen, and you go to school every day, and long live the but it's queen. It's like events. Long live the queen. Yeah, and events happen, and in, like until they happen, and you realize like, oh shit, I need to have this to be able to prepare for it. Yeah, this is like a long, uh, a more tedious version of that, only with a survival aspect t- uh, tacked onto it, which could swing wildly depending on you know just your sheer luck. There, there, like I said, there's certain things that I liked about the game, but it's just overshadowed by some of the more tedious nature or some of the more annoying natures. Yeah, granted, they are actively rebalancing it, so maybe they'll make it so that they'll be less fucking irritating. But it's trying to released in this state. And it was in early access for quite a while, from what I could gather. Because when I went to the store page, there was a lot of people talking about the beta versions. <sighs> but yeah. And, and probably something else that's a little off about the combat, I just thought of it, that I mentioned in the Sunday sampler. It's just the sheer numbers. Now, I'm not someone that needs to uh, have... Uh, uh, damage numbers rank in the billions to be able to feel powerful, right? But all the characters have very, very low stats in general. Uh, outside of their, you know, character stats. Uh, health is uh, uh, under 20 for pretty much everyone. As a matter of fact, the character that's presented to you as fucking unbeatable in a, you know, forced lose situation in uh, uh, the story pretty quickly has 20 health all right so that should give you an idea stat wise of where we're at right right okay with damage numbers typically being one to about five with crits usually being either point uh 1.5 or two times multiplier all right well there's characters that you start running into that have a damage resistance buff that they give to themselves and others that are negative ones and negative twos. Do you see where the problem with this is? Can you wind up in the negatives on your stats? Uh, you could end up where you hit someone but do no damage whatsoever. Alright. Thankfully, you're not healing them with the, by bashing them with the shield, but yo, you bash someone, you see the damage, uh, uh, yo, the damage screen pop up, and it's like, oh, zero damage. Fuck, and the buffer just buffed everyone again. So it's basically, you know, hoping for crits. <sighs> yeah, uh, like I said, a lot of things I find irritating, but things I like about it. I do like the overall mechanics, outside of just how wildly things could swing because of just chance and a story element popping up without any warning. Particularly with Samurai Lady. I mean, that, that was bullshit. She start, She ended that day with about 50% depression, which was fine. It wasn't even showing... Uh, it was in the yellow. It was considered a warning, but not, you know, d- danger levels. 
as she was in the 50-somethings and then that happened. I mean, I'm calling bullshit on that one. And just the fact that, yeah, rain could screw you over and there's no, nothing you could do about it. Ugh. So did yeah. I put you off from the game? Uh, no. Although I don't feel like it's worth $20 based on what you've described. Yeah. But I'm not put off by it. I'd, I'd try it out. I mean, if someone gave it to me for free, I'd play it. And then I'd buy it for, you know, my usual impulse buy price, 5 to $10. But I don't want to pay twenty dollars for this because it sounds like it's got a lot of a lot of good and interesting ideas and mm-hmm. concepts, but also a lot of weird, yeah, they, arbitrary bullshit. Yeah, they have a thing going on with uh, character relationships, where as characters work together, they'll uh, slowly build up a relationship and uh, be able to help one another out outside of uh, you know just general stuff. Like uh, at one point, the father daughter. Uh, uh, build up their relationship enough just through story missions and stuff that uh-huh. they were starting to uh, help one another. You know, she took a injury in combat and he said, "Oh, that looks pretty bad here. Let me take care of that for you and uh, and uh, healed some of her injury outside of an action." And I, I thought that was nice, and uh, but that also swings wildly just based on story. It, it just feels like a lot of what I do or what I did was completely arbitrary and everything was based on the random event and that was it it was basically oh, make sure nobody is starving and, and that's about it and just watch how things unfold right okay cool my turn so I've got um we're gonna do the sandwich method where you talk about some mostly good stuff and then some mostly shitty stuff and then some mostly good stuff. So first up on my list is Starship Corporation. Starship Corporation uh, released into early access in early 2016 at which point I purchased it on impulse um, because I really liked the idea and the look of the game which the, the idea is that you are the CEO and apparently like chief architect for a starship corporation and you receive orders for ships that meet you know that need to meet certain specifications and you go into a blueprint designer mode and you build a ship that meets that specification and you can go above and beyond if you so choose or you can try and cut corners everywhere possible to make as much money then after you put your your ship together you have to run it through trials so they're just like in, you know, they're simulations, but, you know, it's, it's a video game. So you get to see the ship that you've used, and you control it, and you run it through these trials, or you can just um, run them automatically. And if you control the ship, it's sort of FTL, but on steroids, managing each of the crew members, and you can pause it to issue orders um, and things like that, and manage your different systems engines, weapons, if the design calls for it, emergency vehicles and things like that. And you can really get out in the weeds when designing your starship. And you do have to take lots of things into consideration. Like you have to have enough uh, lifeboats or escape pods and you have to have uh, enough food storage and a galley for your crew to go eat and water storage and purification and air scrubbers and so on and so forth. Originally, you had to 
run all of these systems like lines and pipes for everything but due to performance issues they cut that bit out so i actually like that so i did too but they they said it was temporary until they get some other performance stuff worked out which i'll get to that in a minute because oh my gosh i've posted a couple yeah, of i've actually about played this. this game uh back in its pre-early access alpha days when it was on desura yeah so now they have like a compartment system and you have to build general like piping or access points for power and water and etc and you run those through your ship and uh, a compartment will be completely covered uh, if you either have direct storage or generation of whatever it is that you need power fuel water air etc um if it's there or if you run one of these pipes to it and it just is like okay you're covering this area of your ship with whatever you need um so that does simplify the process a little bit and it does certainly help with the performance issues but i do like the idea of having to really get down in the weeds and be like well i need some conduit through here which means i can't have this room because I, it'll be unpowered and everyone will freeze to death. But it, you also have to design corridors and living quarters and crew quarters and recreational areas and a bridge and it, so on and so on. Like you really get down in the weeds with how you design this ship. Um, and there's quite a number of holes. I haven't unlocked all of them. I believe they say that there's like 30-something holes, and currently I have like 22 unlocked in my main game that I'm playing. Um, And so, like, as a company, you research new technology, and there's some stuff that you can see, and you can just, like, outright purchase the... purchase whatever the the base plans are for things, but you also... Manufacturer rights. Yeah, but then you also can research your own... Um, stuff which unlocks the de- the later designs and you start out with small craft that only have one deck or two decks um, and they start getting bigger and bigger and eventually you can get to massive you know multi-kilometer long multi-deck capital, capital ships, ships yeah. or industrial type ships or mining ships and there's a bunch of different ways to do the the actual business portion you can just fulfill contracts if you like um but there is a like a galaxy map and you can build your own ships and take jobs and then send your ships before on those jobs things like clearing out trade lanes salvage and rescue ops you can focus more on the military side if See, you want to have that in the alpha yeah that's more recent in like the last six or eight months based on just going back and looking through the devlog um but uh, anyways, if you want to focus more on the military side, you can um, accept policing contracts to patrol sectors of space, or supposedly you can actually fight wars. I haven't really delved too much into the combat side of the game because, of course, I build mining ships. Of course. And I go, I have scout ships and mining ships, and I'll send scout ships out with like really big um, scanners and and transmitters so that they can collect data it's and send a scanner it back. with a, a engine attached to it pretty much and then i send out the uh the big mining ships and i've got one that's it's got three levels and it can store twenty thousand tons of raw unrefined ore 
now and I go get that. Now, quick and bring question. It back. Quick question for you: Does uh-huh. the ship uh, glitch out and calls it uh, to just store all the ore in the middle of it, uh, middle of the hull? <laughs> no, it hasn't yet. But I suppose that could be a possibility. There's well, some uh, okay. Weird... So not like space engineers. No, not at this point. No. Um, but so that's all fun and interesting and and great. Um. There's a whole galaxy to explore, systems you unlock, and you can build space docks in each of them. There's a political system. Uh, it, it seems pretty bare bones. Basically, politicians will come to your corporation and be like, hey, if you support my campaign, I'll give you benefits. Which, on the one hand, is like, yeah. And on the other hand, I'm like, fucking corrupt politicians. But let's hey, not but, get hey, into politics. Yeah, I mean, it's a simulator. Yeah. I mean, you can't pretend that doesn't happen. All right. No, but you can do things like that. You can, like I said, you can just go randomly explore and and find salvage or asteroids to mine and and stuff like that. So it's all fairly like the control interface is all fairly simple. Um, I think I'm I'm worried I'm making it sound a lot more complex than it is. I mean, there is some complexity to it, and the ultimate goal is to be a profitable company. I would say and it's nearly puzzle game in some aspects of it. The ship design can certainly feel that way. It depends on what you're doing. If I'm designing my own ship and I have a goal in mind, it's less puzzle and more... Eff- well, I guess you could say that's puzzle too. Like, well, there was making really, my ship as efficient as possible. Well, there was really no uh, custom ships back when I played it in the Alpha. It was all uh, have a particular goal in mind. So, Yeah. And, um, and things like... Uh, I think one of the last alphas I played, he was starting to put in the weapon systems. So you had weapon systems, you had uh, uh, hull armor that you could put on the uh, ship to protect certain uh, aspects of it. Uh, shield generators, which uh, created a small bubble. Yeah. Yeah, that... Now, I think of this as a one-man uh, dev team. It if... definitely was at the start. I don't know if he has anyone else doing like art assets or anything for him now, but... There's the 1.0 release is coming in two weeks, I believe. It's pretty early in May. It might actually be next week, uh, like late next week. Um, they're supposed to be introducing a May campaign, 3rd. which is next Thursday yeah. or Friday. Yeah, they're, he's they're going to introduce a full full story campaign. Right now, if you start just like a free game or sandbox mode, you get to choose from some options that seem to indicate there's going to be a larger overall story like whenever you're customizing the difficulty of your game it's like how was the state of your company and it can be like our company was devastated in the secession war and we almost went bankrupt and you know we pulled through by the skin of our teeth and you start with like no money and really shitty credit and you have to build from there or you can be like we were awesome and we were unaffected by the war and you start with shitloads of money you know and great credit um and then you can choose like a, a victory condition, which it's like research all of the tech um, or amass like a certain amount of money. And there's one that's like, I believe it's called Monopoly or something like that. And you have to have a, a shipyard in every single system in the and, game. And a monocle and a top hat. Yeah. But there's a couple of other little options like that that allow you to customize your, your difficulty. And it's got like story reasons for it um and then like the ships that you that it you begin the game with have got um 
like whenever you go click on them, they've they've got in their description some brief history of like stuff related to a war and like one of them is a refitted combat vessel and stuff like that. So it seems like they're you know, there's like inklings of the story sprinkled throughout. Um, yeah, there's some but definite I, I do like story that. going on. Yeah, I, and I do like that, and I hope that that expands. But, damn, this game is not ready for a 1.0 release unless the 1.0 release is like magically fixes all the bugs. This game feels very KSP in its beta, alpha and beta days to me. Well, to be fair, beta will... was hardly a thing for KSP. It, it was yeah, one it's... patch, and they didn't patch the beta it was they uh, they said okay beta okay release but to be fair rimworld's also doing that but rimworld feels a hell of a lot more stable yeah this game is very unstable so launching it from steam and it also has really shitty performance it's got it's definitely got a memory leak issue um that you know that is what ultimately causes it to crash most of the time uh, that's what most of the errors that it gives you, and like you can go look at the the errors on their forum page and what they mean. Ninety five percent of the time, it crashes because of a memory leak. Within, I don't know, an hour of play, like whenever you start playing, you can usually get about an hour. And you should set the autosave timer to be frequent, and you should also save frequently because uh, this game is buggy and crashy as as hell. But it usually crashes within an hour uh, from the memory leak. And then the other times it will just crash. You'll go to like you'll be doing something and you'll go to click on something and you'll get an error. And it'll be like error code, whatever, and you hit close and the game crashes. And then you have to wait because it's very poorly optimized. It takes like something like three or four minutes to load off of my SSD. So like you hit start, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you get a drink, you come back, you see if the game's crashed whenever you load into it. Half the time whenever you load the game instead of it just being like the main menu text it'll be like text font size parentheses and then it'll have like the main menu text and that's for everything in the game which makes it unplayable because then you can't read anything on all the tiny menus and then sometimes whenever you go to do something like this one bit me in the ass the first time because it like the first time it happened I went to build my own ship so not for a contract. I'm not shipping it off to somebody to do their own thing. Like it's for me. This is the first time I went to build a mining vessel. I spent, you know, going through all the crashes, spent all the time to design this ship. And then I built it. And instead of it being the ship that I built, and it still cost me like half a, let's see, it's million, what, 500, what is 500,000 million? Yes. Is that five whatever that works out because it's like million credits or million space bucks and it was five hundred thousand million space bucks is what my mining ship cost me but it spit out the very basic starter shuttle that costs like nothing and i was like what fuck what the fuck no this is not what i wanted but i didn't have like a save at the proper time so Mm -hmm. i had to go back and redo it and it's like a 50-50 chance that you're going to get the ship that you built or the starter ship. And I don't know why that is or what that is. And like in in many other games, I would just be like, no, this is I'm not putting up with this crap. This is garbage. I'm never going to play it again. But it's the KSP thing. 
but it yeah, it's the KSP thing. Like this game, I love this concept so much. And when it's working and you're not dealing with bugs and it's not crashing, for me it's brilliant because it's like, oh, I've got this starship hull, I got this new hull. What can I do with this? I want to build a mining ship. I want to build a massive transport ship. I want to build a space tug. Like as boring as like that might sound, like it's really interesting and it's it, exciting and the concept is really well executed from a gameplay perspective it's weird because usually it's like the gameplay is like it's like oh this is a good idea and it's executed poorly but the idea is executed perfectly just on the technical side the game is broken but it gives me that same ksp feeling and so i keep like i played it for a long time this weekend yeah, maybe that'll be a good general topic question at some point. Games that are fundamentally broken or fun- or technically uh, bad on a technical aspect, but you still suffer through them because you like things that you d- that they do. Yeah, I I made that tweet early Friday, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe it was Saturday, about the game being like, you know, why why do you keep crashing? I just want to design ships. And they responded to me, and they were like, oh, we're so sorry you're experiencing this issue. We're releasing into 1.0. on may 3rd and we're gonna have a lot of bug fixes and hopefully it fixes it for you my response was hopefully i hope so i really like this game when it works so i mean they're trying it's got a lot of other weird quirks and issues too and i would be here forever trying to think of them um going through them but like the the idea and the concept and the execution of that idea are there just fix the game so it doesn't crash so often. Can hear you launching into out of early access. <laughs> so, yeah, and I do like that idea. Like games that you suffer through because you love them. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, so good. And I, I eventually I want to start doing the test testing phase by myself, but I just always auto run those because. That's a whole nother aspect of the game that is extremely complicated that I don't want to deal with because every click could result in a crash. And when that's running, the memory leak is noticeably worse. Like you'll start noticing huge, just like your frame rate starts dying and you're like, oh no, it's about to crash. I'm at five FPS. Quick save, save, save. So... Yeah, that's Starship Corporation. Yeah. Uh, before you move on, I had a message from Katie saying to check your phone. Yep, yep, yep. I got her text message. For some reason, her text didn't come through, and then well, suddenly I got like five texts at the yeah, same time. Yeah, that's what happened to me uh, with you uh, earlier tonight. Yeah. Uh, I just noticed it a little bit ago, and you were on a roll. Thanks. Um, so anyways, next is my real bad game, uh, Psychiatrist Simulator. This game looks terrible. Like, you look at this game and you're like, this is gonna be bad, but it's called Psychiatrist Simulator? Like, I had to. I had to. Like, I wouldn't have well, never bought this. Well, you always this. wanted to be a psychiatrist, right? <laughs> I never wanted to be a psychiatrist. I didn't want to have to go to med school. Because you have to do four years at med school to become a psychiatrist because you have to go through all of the drug training. If you're just going to be any other type of therapist, I'm not sure about social workers, but if you're just going to be a therapist, no matter which branch you go down, you take like two courses about it and then you're done. (laughs) 
and then you just have to take a refresher every so often as part of your uh, continuing education units that you have to get to keep to meet the licensure requirements in your state and that varies state by state so yeah there's your your uh, psychology lesson for the day psych 101 over here but anyways yeah I, I had to and like this game is 99 cents on steam don't spend it spend your dollar on like a mcchicken at mcdonald's it'll be much better it's more valuable to you as a person to go buy a mcchicken from mcdonald's to buy this i got it from key mailer for free and i want my money back <laughs> this game does one thing really really well and it's the only thing it does really, really well. But whoever put this game together is either in the mental health field or they know someone or work closely with someone in some capacity who is. Because they have got all of their information and their diagnoses and their medications and their like all of that. All of the technical stuff when it comes to the therapeutic side and the medication side of this game are spot on. I was really impressed when I loaded up the really garbage Unity asset, didn't try, didn't give a shit, office space that you have that you can like go through and check stuff out and find uh, the pocket edition of... I forget what the European manual is called, but the European version of what we have here in the States, which is called the DSM, the diagnostic manual that we have, the the pocket version of that is in the game, which I'm pretty sure is illegal because that document is copyrighted and they definitely didn't pay any licensing fees to huh. use it. I, I, I wouldn't even thought about that. I, I, yeah, I would have figured it would have been you know, some sort of... Uh, I'm copyright free version of it or an older version of it. Yeah, I'm not sure on the. It might be an older version of the European manual because I'm not. You know, I'm not European. I'm not. Or, or just with how that. the European handles it. You know. Yeah, but all of that stuff is spot on, and I spent some a little bit of time looking through that, and I was thoroughly impressed. The rest of the game is terrible and mostly broken. So how this game plays out is that you have uh, clients that you see and you've got a scheduler and you schedule clients to come in and you see them and you have dialogue interactions with them where they tell you about their problems and you can respond to them asking probing questions or making statements. Some of the statements seem more therapeutic in nature. Some of them are like things you would never say like oh, yes, you are a terrible person, or, <laughs> no, you're you're a moron. Why are you thinking these things? Or the voices are all in your head. Just clo just cover your ears and you want, like, shit like that that you would never say. And the dialogue is read, your dialogue is read by a text-to-speech program. Oh, good God. So that's Marcus terrible. Bob? It pronounces half of everything wrong, and it sounds terrible. And then the the clients that you see, some of them are okay, like the models look okay, and it looked like they used a proper lip syncing program for the vo the voiceover, and some of them have decent voiceover, 
And then some of them, which none of these are pictured on the Steam page, of course, but some of them are very clearly, like, badly, um, out-of-proportion photoshopped pictures that came from, you know, Google Images. Or I'm pretty sure, honestly, that some of the models in this game, they took a screenshot of The Sims character creator. Yeah, that's what some of those looked like on uh, Keymailer. That's part of the reason why I didn't go for it, because... I thought, oh, even I have an, a, a standards on what I'll put in, uh, put in review code for. Yeah, but yeah, some of them seem like they just took screenshots of the the Sims character creator and then used some co- sort of lip syncing program to make the face move. They look terrible, and they have like one guy who has either done some voice at, acting work or is just like a natural or maybe actually has suffered from mental health issues because like this one guy who very clearly voices two different characters that one guy is yeah that one guy is (laughs) decent has decent voice acting all the rest of them are terrible like it sound that several of them sound like this game is was made by a russian an air quotes developer and some of these people sound like they were handed a script and they don't speak any english at all so they were just uh, told to read the script uh, so like a phonetic uh script most likely yeah Uh, and then some is it in english or english uh in english all right so basically google translate then they used a phonetic script to have the actors sounded out yeah Yep, and it's terrible. The audio quality from each of them, too, varies wildly. Some of them, even the ones that, you know, very clearly were given phonetic scripts to read, sounds like they actually had, like, real microphones. And some of them were like, hey, I've got this really shitty tape recorder from, you know, the 70s. Let's record you on this. Hey, I have you and it's all know scratchy. That, uh, in Russia, that's state of the fucking art. <laughs> like... I don't even know why I'm still talking about this game. It's terrible. It's a waste of your time, a waste of your money. The only reason that I requested it on Keymailer and got a key for it was because the name. I had to. Yeah. I had to. I mean, I saw it and I thought about, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you should check this out. And I thought, no, I didn't want to waste your time. Because Battletech. <laughs> yeah. And that brings me to my last game, which is a mobile game. And in one of the co-optionals from the last couple of months, Total Biscuit brought this game up, and it is called Galactic Frontline. It is a mobile game that is a game first and a mobile second. Wait, those exist? If that makes sense. This game has got legitimate voiceover, legitimate actual animated cutscenes, a real story, Three separate single-player campaigns. There might be a fourth one. I'm not sure because there are four factions that are playable in multiplayer. And there might be a fourth campaign. Like one of uh, you beat all the other campaigns and you unlock the fourth one. It has really good, well-balanced gameplay. There's none of this mobile difficulty curve bullshit. At least not yet. And I've played it a lot. Um... I'm more than halfway through the first campaign, and it's taken me like three or four hours to get there. How about that? You found a unicorn. Yeah. Granted, I found Um, a unicorn, but it was in the grocery store. (laughs) 
Yeah, and we found them both last week. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it. It is a mobile game. It certainly plays like a mobile game. You know, tap and drag. It's um sort of a tug of war type strategy game. You build up your small fleet. You have your main ship, and then up to four escort ships as you upgrade stuff along the way. I got two escort ships right now, and then you have uh combat units that fill up hangar slots on your ship and you have an energy level that builds up and you, you know you start with you start with three and it gradually increases both the number of energy that you have at one time and the speed with which you get this energy uh and the energy you can use spend to use abilities um from your main ship and your different escort ships or deploy your units from the hangar and there are a lot of different ones um, and you unlock them by playing as the different factions uh, you can get like I don't know tokens or cards or whatever you want to call them by playing oh, the multiplayer yeah sorry by playing the multiplayer um, and you can just unlock them out of order but if you play the campaign you unlock all of them as the natural story of the campaign progresses so it's a really good game, a really good strategy game. Um, especially like it's on mobile. I I can't believe it. Yeah. So you de- you deploy like your ships as well. Like you you deploy them and then they automatically will deploy units from then on until you change them or tell it to stop. Uh, and you have a unit cap of sixty. I've never hit the unit cap. Um, At least not with that attitude. But. You know, there's different pros and cons to each ship. All of the designs are really good. They're, it's very reminiscent of Homeworld, or it feels very Homeworld inspired. But one of the factions look like looks like it's uh, inspired by Battlestar Galactica, uh, the Cylons a bit. Um, there's some hints of Halo in there. They're all original designs. Like nothing, as far as I can tell, is just like a straight up copy of something. But you can see the influences in different designs. It's an excellent game. Um, it does have you know mobile trappings in it as well, but it goes the route of we want to keep you invested so that you will eventually spend money. So we're going to give you tons of free stuff. Um, as long as you log in once during the week. Mm-hmm you can collect all of the seven day weekly rewards. Huh? So you don't have to log in every day. Cause I missed a couple of days and then I came back and I was like, Oh, I guess I'll have to start over. But it was like, Nope, you can just get the previous days as long as you log in. So if you log in, I don't remember what the reset day is. It's Saturday or Sunday. But if you log in the day before that, you can collect all seven days worth of login rewards. Plus it gives you, Tons of, you know, complete this campaign mission. Here's a reward you can unlock for hitting the next level. There's challenge missions, which let you try out all of the different ships and faction stuff. And then they reward you with upgrade points for it. It gives you shitloads of the premium currency. Like, tons of it. And everything so far that costs premium currency, everything is like 10 10 premium currency. That's it for everything that I've encountered so far. And I've gotten 1100 or 1200 of the premium currency. And if you want to buy something, 
with real money, you can just buy whatever you want with real money. And I mean, there's packs. You can get like, you know, the starter pack for five bucks and it gives you bunches of stuff or whatever. But it's a very fair mobile economy or a very fair mobile business model. And it wants you to come back and be invested by giving you tons of stuff and a huge single player campaign to play. It's intense. Yeah, I'm actually uh, shocked that thing exists. Yeah. And it's made by Netties. Remember those guys? With the whole being sued by Uh, PUBG deal? It's made by them. Oh. Not not everything is voice acted. Um, but all of the cutscenes are voice acted. Well, you better hurry and get some uh, time and knives out before it goes away. <laughs> nah, I'm good. That can go away for all I care. Uh, you mean uh, knives out or the battle royale uh, uh, craze in uh, general? Yeah, I don't really care. I'm just. I mean, I don't begrudge people the games that they like. It's just I don't care about it. Uh, so. It's just I've uh, seen this happen before, and uh, it seems like the battle royale uh, rush is very similar and uh, actually in fast forward to the MMO rush where everything was paid in subscription uh, and now everything's quickly going free to play because they can't sustain it outside of the, you know, the one that can. Yeah. But no, this is, this is a really good game that happens to be on a mobile device or mobile devices, I should say. So if you like strategy games, if you like sci-fi stuff, it's worth checking out. I really think it's worth checking out. I mean, I'm still playing it. I've been playing it for two weeks now. Still wow, that, going. that's actually a lot longer than most of the games I play. Yep, especially mobile games. Yeah, that's always been my big hang-up is, okay, well, this is uh, you know, sub five bucks, but my average uh, you know, amount of time I play these fucking things are you know, sub-day overall. You know? Yeah. Yep. But nope, I've been playing it for two weeks and I am intend to keep playing it. The biggest thing is it doesn't demand that you come play it every day. That's what I, one of the things I like so much about what, it. It's like you show up. It doesn't turn into a job? No. Just, you show up and it's like, oh, hey, you played this week. Uh, we're on day five. Here's all of the rewards up to day five. If you come back tomorrow, you can get some more, but you don't have to. It's fine. Yeah, but that's fine if you don't want to. Yeah, we understand. Peace out, yo. Yeah. Oh, and there's no timers. There's no timers that make you wait for shit. Energy bars? The only thing... Nope, no energy bars. The only thing that there's a timer on... Are you on... sure this is a mobile game? Are you sure you didn't yo, uh, dream this, you know? No, the only thing that there's a timer on, and it makes sense is whenever you jump to a new system there's like a a time for like you're in transit Mm -hmm. but it's not that long and then whenever you research something and everything that you research 60 minutes everything no matter high how high or how low the level is is 60 minutes but i get that researching things take time that doesn't bother me. But no, there's no energy bars you can try something as many times as you want you can play for as long as you want or you can just play for like the five minutes that it takes to do a mission. So I guess we're going to call this the unicorn game. Yeah. Best mobile game 2018. So far. So I guess something's going to have to beat a pretty high bar. Yeah. That wraps us up for this. 
Yeah. So before we go on our adventure, I think it's uh, a short elevator ride. Well, it is now time for our monthly game club, the April game club this month. For anyone who does not know, perhaps you're new to the show or somehow you managed to miss all of our previous game club episodes before, Rage and I tend to have very different tastes in video games. Usually. And game club allows us to uh, intentionally play the same game at the same time and then talk about it at the same time and see how we feel about it. Yeah, occasionally pushing us outside of our comfort zones and trying something different. Indeed, and for this month's Game Club, we played 80 Days. 80 Days is a steampunk story-based choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, I would say, uh, well, yeah, choose-your-own-adventure is probably a a fair way to call it. I would actually throw a little bit of roguelite into it, just because of the, uh, uh, the random aspect of it. Yeah, this game originally released in either 2014 or 2015 on mobile devices, and it later came to Steam. Um, I played it on mobile. I have it on mobile. It was a long time ago. It was one of the Amazon Prime like free apps that you could get. Uh, and you played it on PC. Yeah. So before we really dive into it, I want to figure out if there were any differences between the mobile version and the PC version. I think there version. are slight differences in some of the routes because I was looking more into that. There's slight differences in routes. Not much, but a little bit. Or at least that's what some of the guides suggest. But other well, there, than that, it's about it. Uh, okay. Well, there are different seeds for routes. I believe yeah. there's eight on mobile. I don't know if there's more. Yeah, or less I wasn't on paying PC. attention or uh, until uh, really late, but it actually shows you what seed you're on whenever you hit escape. So you can kind of tease it if you start to you know, notice what seed. Yeah, there's no way to check that on mobile. Um, there's also is there like a journal on the PC version? Because the you run into and find a lot of stuff and on mobile the only way to see what you figured out is to go to the map and like tap on each city uh, it does and... give it overall and once you finish it gives you a, an overall thing of how you did and showed you around and what day what things happened so uh, I have uh, let's just talk more about the general uh, uh, platforms I'm not sure if this really fits the PC platform because I have to admit that towards the end of a route, it was very, very tiresome. It feels more more like it's built around a pick-up-and-play, do a stage of a route, but PC doesn't really lend itself to that. It's more of a long-form aspect, and because each run is at least an hour-ish if you're reading everything... And that's, you know, really rushing. It just feels a bit tiresome to me. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, it just didn't click for me. This is not a good pick-up-and-play game on mobile. Oh, it doesn't? Um, I tried playing it, like, straight through, and I tried playing it in bits and pieces. And the problem is, is that you forget stuff. And, like I said, because there's no journal system, there's no good way to review, like, where you've been and what you've done and what you're actively like trying to pursue if you get like a little goal or a hint that there's something somewhere it's really difficult to play this game in chunks well, to me it feels p- very much like a road trip 
plain yeah. type of game. Yeah, which there's not got, many of actually. No, but somewhere you've got two to three hours. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, to one sit hour down and do a whole it. thing. Yeah, I would say two is probably the fair, you know, average. Uh, I would say it's uh, probably a little bit easier on PC to figure out, pick up and play because. If you click on individual cities, it does tell you what you figured out by that city. I'm not sure if that's in the mobile version or not. Yeah, whenever you tap on a city, uh, you can see what's going on. But sometimes you'll have multiple things in the same city. And it's difficult to like scroll back and forth and figure out. And the whole time, like the timer's counting yeah. down. Um, and in general, that doesn't matter too much. But every once in a while... Yeah. You'll miss a, a, a transfer if you waste too much time, which could cost you a day yeah, or which, days, depending yeah, on what type what of route. Yeah, happened to me once. Uh, what right. Was it came up, it, and I, I wasn't sure what it was doing because I tried to do the transfer, and it just kept bringing up the luggage, and it wasn't saying anything. Then I realized that it only allowed one piece of luggage no matter what, but it didn't say it anywhere. Uh, outside of you know the uh, the embark, which it only said luggage times one, if I remember correctly, so I actually missed a transfer because of that. Yeah, well, and sometimes too, whenever you go to to do that, you can purchase additional luggage. Yeah, but not space, always. But not always. Yeah, and that's what threw me off. Okay, so now that we've determined that the games, both versions of the games, are very pretty similar. much the same. Yeah. 80, 80 days is based on around the world in 80 days. Wait, and wait, you... wait. This is based on something? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know who wouldn't know around the world in 80 days, but, you know. Uh, well, considering, uh, you know, there's magazines out there that are uh, listing classic works uh, as saying, oh, you don't need to read that. Yeah. But anyways, it's it's based on around the world in 80 days, like, relatively loosely. Um but you are the manservant. Valet. Valet. Yeah, please, you're to... not a simple manservant. You're not some barbarian. You're the valet to a rich Englishman who has taken a bet that he can go around the world in 80 days or less. And you he basically lets you determine everything. Yeah. What route you take and how when you're going to withdraw money well, well, not, and well not always because we'll get to that. But you pretty much run the show, and he's just along for the ride. He's trusting you to do everything. Uh, there's this interesting dynamic between the two as well that can change pretty dramatically based on what you do and so where the you main... are. Uh, yeah, and where you yeah. are. I, I just wanted to highlight that that th- this game is one that really requires multiple playthroughs, not just per seed, but also just per route, because there are vastly different, uh, essentially many storylines and many uh, interactions between uh, Phineas Fogg, the the gentleman that you uh, are serving in In Pursuit. is that how you pronounce it? I've never his, heard... His name is actually pronounced Passport. Oh, uh, well, I wasn't sure. It was like... Yeah. Okay, is that supposed to be Passport? Because I know yeah, it's Jules Verne, but... Yeah, no, his name is supposed to be pronounced Passport. It, it's French, but it pronounces, you know, basically Passport. You can throw a little French influence on there if you want to, but... Yeah, but I don't want to be that There's even a... You. 
there's even a joke in there about it depending like if you get to a very very cordial relationship with fog based on you know again things that happens on your adventure he actually will make a joke about your name being passport <laughs> um so in, in one of my playthroughs i had basically like we basically became friends instead of just being me being his his valet um we due to things that happened on our adventures we became very friendly towards one another and then my passport got stolen by a girl that i i that i fancied but she was playing me and she stole my passport and he she was didn't want he the makes D- a joke uh, she uh, she wanted the other passport she did but he made a joke about i wonder what would happen if i lost my passport <laughs> yeah and there's very very subtle jokes I'm, well the first uh, character you usually run into it's Jules Verne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's other characters from the books uh, that occasionally pop up, once again, depending on the seed and depending on your location. I'm pretty sure I ran into the love interest from the original book in India. But I just it, okay. I didn't have the proper luck or the proper seed to be able to play out that particular route. Because there's different endings depending on your overall, first of all, if you made it. And second of all, your overall health of uh, Phineas Fogg, because he can die. Yes, you can also die. Yeah. As I discovered when we both died. (laughs) How about that? Yeah. Well, I nearly had that happen, but teasers. Uh, 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 You have uh, different endings based on that, but also your overall character and your overall relationship with him, which is based through different interactions and uh, you know how you handle things on the road or on the or in the air, depending on your mode of travel. And I have to say that there is a very diverse modes of transportation in this game, from everything from steampunk airplanes to your typical uh, uh, airships to hover uh, trains. Actually, the yep, Transylvanian uh, 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 Railroad is a giant maglift, essentially. Yep. There's, but there's also normal trains. There's a rocket that you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, there's cars, like, you know, very, very early cars, uh, like prototypes. Mm-hmm. But then there's also uh, a carriage that is pulled by a steam horse, like a steam-powered horse. Yeah. There's the walking cities. Did you see those? Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, those are mostly in India. Yep, and also depending um, on where you are, it depends on the mode of travel and your overall uh, flavor of the game. Because the music changes to the local uh, flavor, and it uh, it's, it does that very well, making you feel like you're in a different part of the world, which I really liked. But uh, here's one of mode of transportation I know you didn't get: an ice walker. An ice walker. Yes. As in, like a mech. Yes. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that one, and I've played. I I have have previously played Eighty Days. Like I said, I got it as the one of the free apps a few years ago. Well, it's on only I've played, one route. Okay, yeah, I, I've played Eighty Days probably six or seven times yeah, I, total. Yeah, like, I've uh, I've uh, done four through uh, complete playthroughs, uh, and I'm fifty fifty on it. Did you get the submarine? No, one of the submarines. Well, well, okay. technically the uh, the train from uh, England to France is a submarine. Right, but there is an actual submarine which you can mutiny and take over. And let me guess, Nemo. <laughs> no, actually, it wasn't Nemo. 
because they do um, have uh, yeah the references in the game. I, I did try yeah. to commit beauty on the Trans Pacifica route because uh, I, I just had terrible luck twice getting to the Western United States. Uh, and this goes into a gameplay mechanic: is as you're traveling, occasionally you have different options that pop up. You could grim fog because that's not creepy at all. To increase his health, which is used as a one of the currencies to be able to travel, and also some events that uh, having your health up for your uh, master that also seems wrong somehow uh, uh, determines if he dies or not. Well, and also you could uh, read the newspaper or chat with your uh, fellow uh, passengers or occasionally fog himself. And that also, you could ask about different routes and different possibilities. Well, as I was going through Siberia, everybody seemed fascinated with the United States and was constantly talking about the different routes there. So I had pretty much all the United States mapped out. So it's like, okay, I go to the United States. I could go straight across, no problem. Try Trans-Pacific route from, I think it's Beijing or somewhere in in Japan because a couple of the playthroughs kind of blur together in that area because I always seem to end out on that route no matter where the fuck I went. Mm -hmm. And was passing Hawaii and a storm hit and the ship decided, okay, let's go to Hawaii instead. Never mind the fact that it's actually further to go from Hawaii from where they were to the Western United States. Because, you know, it's the uh, pebbleopic uh, flat, or, you know, travel, so, you know, it's acting like it's on a globe, so it's an arc. Parabolic. So, you know, because it was at that halfway point, but it was so far north, it was actually, I would say, close to, uh, you know, the southern tip of Alaska. Because I uh, left, I think it was, I think it was Japan, that route. It was just, (laughs) it was, oh, wow. Yeah, sometimes stuff like that happens. Uh, there's a, a lot of interesting things that can go on. So on one of my playthroughs, um, I wound up in South America through, you know, bad luck and poor chances and all, you know, all that jazz. Like my route wound up in South America and I was in the Amazon and I was in this city or in this town where there was nothing, no routes. I was like, I'm going to have to go back. I'm basically going to have to backtrack and try and find another way. But I needed to rest. Um, we were both not doing so hot. Uh, or, well, fog wasn't doing so well, so we needed to rest. So I stayed a couple of days there to allow his uh, his health to go back up. Mm-hmm. And through the random events, I met a group of rebels. Um, and I ingratiated myself with them. And they were like, hey, we're going to um, bomb this site and we're going to steal a vehicle and we're going to head somewhere else in South America, closer to the, to the Atlantic. And I was like, sounds oh, good. Shoot. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm not going to have to backtrack. So we, we stole some dynamite and dynamited a construction site and then stole a bulldozer and drove through the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> and then there was a vote. Like there was a vote on whether or not someone who was like drinking all the alcohol should be, basically left behind to die in the jungle and we were the deciding vote to save his life and then later on like 
there was an accident and some people like tried to steal our fuel and the guy that whose life I saved, like he wound up dying, but he saved us all. And then we got to make the rest of our journey. Like there's some crazy stuff that can happen. They just like comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's a really interesting storytelling experience. Yeah, uh, granted, frustrating at times, but yeah, it can be. But uh, man, well, it's worth it. Well, one of my playthroughs. This was actually an unsuccessful one. Uh, in uh, the uh, no, in uh, oh, Eastern Europe, I was uh, I don't recall the city. Like I said, it all turns into a blur after a while. Uh, I had a random event where I, I went to the Artifactor Guild, which is especially uh, basically steampunk Jews. Yes, yes, they are. I mean, well, they say that only uh, Jewish people could uh, be Artifactors, so steampunk Jews. Yeah. Well, I, I was poking around one of their uh, temples, one of their uh, places, uh, and while their back was turned, um, you know, nicked a medallion. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, and this was also the playthrough that I was able to take the entire tra- uh, Trans-Siberian uh, uh, Railroad. Well, I got to the end of the railroad, and because I just bribed my way in, because I didn't get luck, uh, lucky enough to get an event that allowed me to go in. I got, yeah, which I did. Yeah, I got arrested and was detained for a few days. Well, it's like, oh, shit. Well, I'm really going to have to rush on this, so... Uh, uh, Went to the bank, got some money, which didn't take that long, thankfully, uh, and decided to take the direct route from, I'm, I'm, I was pretty sure it was uh, northern Japan, uh, directly to uh, San Francisco. And this was also the uh, time that everybody was obsessed with the United States, which is, you know, not exactly unusual. So uh, I had all the routes planned from San Francisco to New York, and New York pretty much always has a direct connection either to London itself or somewhere in Europe that I could easily take. Perfect. Well, I'm in my overseas route, and the storm hits. And we decide, let's mutiny so that the ship returns to normal. You know, it takes its normal route, because we don't want to go to Hawaii. Because Hawaii sucks, you know, it has palm trees and sunshine, and we hate it. So, I'm uh, trying to uh, build up this mutiny, and I'm able to use the medallion I got you know, ages ago to get the uh, the steampunk Jew, the artifactor, uh, to uh, launch this mechanical army against the uh, the loyalists of the ship and try to mutiny. Well, unfortunately, I fail, and I end up getting thrown overboard a few miles off Hawaii and have to swim to shore, which cost me about a day. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. And then, uh, because uh, yo, I was counting on getting to San Francisco, I had to take out more money, and it just put me way behind on everything, and there wasn't a direct route to San Francisco from there. I actually had to go to South America and try to cut through there, which is very difficult, as you found out. So on that route, I also had to deal with a revolution there and fight uh, my way through. And eventually, I end up having to go to Africa, of all places, and work my way back north. So by this point, I was just saying, okay, well, let's see what happens if I you know, go like 100 days. <laughs> and Fog was pissed with me. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, I don't think I've ever been to Africa. I've been to every other continent, but I've never made my way back through Africa. But that's not even the most interesting trip. My most interesting trip is also my shortest. Because... Yeah, you got done in what, like 50-something days? No, I beat that. Okay. My best time, 48 days. Damn. Via the North Pole. Okay. <laughs> so it's essentially going the complete opposite direction that is logical. The The logical direction is, you know, France and then uh, heading west. Or sorry, heading east. Heading east. Yeah. yeah. Also, before we get uh, before we uh, get to the North Pole expedition, uh, in Africa, actually met essentially the mirror version of Fog and Passport. I can't remember their names, but they were talking about going west to east, <laughs> and he was talking about, but that doesn't make any sense. You, you'll lose time, which is actually a plot point of the original book and whenever you cross the international date line they talk about setting your uh, your clock back a day uh, uh, otherwise someone that wasn't as precise as himself uh, would nearly would arrive on the 80th day and miss it because he hadn't accounted for time zones which was exactly what happened in the book almost <laughs> yeah which I like I actually ran I ran into them too but I ran into them in America I ran into them in Africa so maybe it's just uh, they start uh, uh, they start there, but this was also day ninety something at this point. Yeah, I was on day but seventy. But getting back to the North Pole, nine. All right. Well, the North Pole. In order to get it, you have to actually go a very convoluted route, which I actually incidentally discovered. I'm not sure if it does it on mobile, but on PC, occasionally you'll see players go going around, you know, doing things. Do you have that? No. Ooh. Or if you do, I've never. Well, this didn't upon happen one. until my third attempt. Well, granted, my second attempt was offline because my internet went. Pfft. So my third attempt, I noticed players, uh, you know, uh, taking trains and stuff, and then I noticed a tra- uh, uh, you know, a walker going from Iceland north. And then I noticed North Pole, and I thought, huh, there's a, a trip I should take. So, on my last attempt, I decided to make a special thing to go there. And it's an interesting trip. It's a slow-ass one because you only... On my trip, I did 48 days with 8 cities. Alright? Okay. Typically, you're hitting 15 to 20. Well, you go to... uh, Essentially, to Scandinavia. Then from there to Iceland and Iceland to the North Pole. And this whole time, Passport is like, shouldn't we be going west? <laughs> and no, I'm not joking. He's asking, actually asking the entire time, aren't we going the wrong way? Uh, are you intending to go around uh, uh, the earth pole to pole? <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, uh, Fogg says, uh, sometimes to undo a knot, the best way to do it is to cut it. I tend to go around the pole and technically go around the world. <laughs> nice. I'll have to try that. Do it again and try that. Oh, uh, do you want me to continue on this, sir? Uh, you can if you want. Uh, well, it, but... well, 
Well, it's a special route and it has its own story. Literally going from Iceland to the North Pole is about 15 to 20 days. I left Iceland on day nine and I didn't hit the North Pole until day 30 something. Okay. And it's a, a really long and convoluted. And if you choose the wrong thing, I'm pretty sure fog is fucked. Because there's an accident. Or an, I should say, not an accident, an incident. And fog is injured and nearly freezes it to death. And there are several times that you have to persuade other characters to help him. And if you hadn't been nice to the other characters in the expedition, you're dead. Or he's dead, I should say. Gotcha. But yeah, that, yeah. that's a... And that I don't think that's the only one of those. Well, you mentioned the rocket. I'm pretty sure that would be one as well. Yeah, there's a, a rocket you can take um, that you can't bring any luggage or anything with you. At least with that but, attitude. But it gets you something like a quarter of the way around the globe in just like a day or two. Well, we didn't even mention the uh, luggage. Uh, well, yeah, why that's special because there's uh, various items that you could get. For one, you could trade to get extra money. But I gotta be honest, I never really had much luck with that. No, because all of that's randomized as part of the seed you're on. Yeah, uh, so yeah, sometimes everything that you start with to what shows up in the uh, different markets and. Certain items are worth a lot more in certain places, but that requires a lot of luck to get there in the first place. Yeah. I mean, occasionally you'll get lucky and you'll have something or you'll get something and you'll make some money off of it. But most of the time you're withdrawing money from the bank for a big to pay for the more expensive routes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, then there's the uh, essentially suits different uh uh, sets of items give a set bonus. So, uh, for example, the gentleman set, which is actually pretty easy to put together, it seems, allows you to yeah. reneg renegotiate uh, routes or you know, departure times, sometimes for free. Yeah, you can also use the other sets to help with that, too. Yeah, it just seemed like the gentleman um, set was the easiest one to put together for me. It, yeah, it is. You can usually get... I, don't you start with two of the three you, pieces for the gentleman set? Usually, one time I didn't start with any of it. Oh, okay. Although, honestly, my favorite thing when renegotiating is it's like, we can renegotiate this, and then, like, it tells you, like, just a little, like, funny blurb, and then how much it's going to cost. It's like, ungentlemanly behavior. That one's always my favorite. I chuckled at that every time I saw that. Or just the, yeah, uh, every so often, Fog will say something, uh, yeah, yeah, funny in the corner of the screen. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's uh, the flavor of the game. Because other than that, it's literally just painting over a map and uh, the occasional city screen. Yeah. But, I mean, the flavor and the storytelling is where it all is. And I'm sure, like, you're telling me about things that I didn't find. I'm telling you about things that you didn't find. And both of us played the game for this. I played it three times and you played it four times. Yeah, I've got just and I'm under sure there's five stuff hours that both of us... and I didn't put any time into this beforehand. Yeah, and I'm sure both of us didn't find things. So, oh, definitely. I mean, this game deserves a few more playthroughs just to 
just to get all of the fun flavor texts and the different yeah i do think interesting routes and endings probably in general it's a better pick up and play if you can find it a time that is a good stopping point yeah because that that was my big thing is that if i I think i would have preferred the game a, a lot more if it was slightly shorter per run not a lot but just a little bit if yeah. that makes any sense yeah if if it felt like maybe an hour was not rushing yeah like I think an hour would be a good start to finish time I mean two roughly two hours isn't terrible um, yeah but once you start I, going every, through the same areas over and over again yeah I mean basically what I did was every day during my kids nap time and the few days leading up to well except for yesterday so let's see Friday, Saturday, and Sunday during my kid's nap. I would just go lay down on the couch in my office and pull out my phone and I'd play an entire game start to finish. And, you know, whenever I finished, however much time was left in nap time, like I didn't start another one, I went and did something else. And the the only one that I finished in less than two hours was the time when I died. And that was about 90 minutes in. And basically, I was... I was if there hadn't been the event that I ran into, which was essentially a civil war, which caused our crew to have to go way out of the way, and then they got pissed, and then they mutinied, and like I got, I got shot, and then the airship we were on crashed into the ocean, and we sank to the bottom of the ocean, and we died before we were rescued. <laughs> so, and if I had had more health, if I had like. 80 or 85 health around the world and 80 health yeah but we started the journey with like 60 or 65 health and i was like oh man i'm not doing so hot we're not doing so hot but you know what we might we might make it oh no yeah there was a couple times on the the north pole run that you know it was under 10 i mean it it was close but you know that that adds to the suspense you know yeah I've also had a few times where I thought I was going to die, you know, like, okay, we're done. And then like something positive happens mm-hmm. and it's like, you were rescued well, I, or well, outside of set events. You can't die because I tried. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, on my 90 that. plus day, uh, that was me yeah. sitting in Africa, uh, sleeping without uh, going to the hotel, just dropping us health to see what happened. Okay. So you didn't have any money and you were sleeping on the streets. Oh no, I had money. Oh, I was just forcing him to sleep in the streets regardless, and didn't uh, kill him. Pissed him I off. I didn't realize but, that. Uh, yeah, it was me experimenting. Because I realized I was already going to fail. And maybe that's part of it, is that it feels very binary in its uh, uh, final state. Because every time I won, it was by a huge margin. I... I, I succeeding in 55 days by hitting really no major derailing event uh, events or really nothing major at all which i don't know how i managed that that was my first run it's like well that was easy uh my second run i got de- it was actually the closest but i it was very clear that i wasn't going to make it uh yep yeah, i before i even left america i was uh I wasn't on the Transcontinental Railroad, but I was taking the Severn uh, route through Texas. And Jesse James showed up. 
Yep, I'm, I ran into Jesse. Robbed James. the train. It was kind of funny because he robbed me, and then he tried to rob Fog, and Fog said, "I don't care." Uh, no, actually, I said he doesn't carry anything. I'm I'm his valet. I carry his things. And then he said, "Well, does that mean I should rob you twice?" <laughs> because he tossed me twenty bucks to you know, so he doesn't leave me completely out in the cold, right? So I got yeah. pissed and punched him and got back about half my money. But it was enough to make the trip from uh, uh, the East Coast to uh, yeah, either England, uh, Europe, or Africa. So, I, and, and I wasn't discovering any routes there. So I eventually had to go there via Iceland. And it was very clear before I even left that this is going to take too long. I've lost. And I ended up losing by about 12 hours. And that was several days worth of uh, traveling. Yeah. So, you know, it, maybe that's it. It's just that it's very clear. But there's, but if you try to do the twist like the original novel did, that only works once, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, but would be funny. I've, yeah. I, f- I failed once, and uh, it took me like 89 days. And I succeeded once, and it took me something like 78 or 79 days. Like, I cut it pretty close, but we made it. And then I failed once by dying. So I did not hit any of the fast track around the world. And the one where I started off the best, when I went on the Trans-Siberian route, and then I ran into someone from the royal family and could get into Vladivostok without having to bribe my way in. And like I had a free pass through all of that. I was doing great. And then, like, I just got bogged down in America, and I could not, like, make my way. Because the, the Transcontinental Railroad didn't go all the way across, mm-hmm. so I had to go halfway across the United States and then down to Miami and then up to New York and across oh. to uh, London. And I just – I wasted a lot of time in the United States because there was – I took a riverboat down the Mississippi River – uh, and someone made a bet with the the boat captain that he could get there to I, I believe Louisiana yeah, I had that in happen. like five days, but then the engine exploded and it took us like ten or twelve. As t- that was terrible, but still I enjoyed it. I liked the story yeah, I had, all the way. Yeah, I had one know. where I was only able to go about halfway down the Transiberian uh, Railroad, and. I can't remember if I just didn't have enough money for the entire trip or if an event happened or something. But I hit about the worst city to get it off on. So I couldn't uh, really progress until the Trans-Siberian Railroad ran again and just go another city down because I wasn't able to get a lot of money. And then go from there down to India, then around the Indo uh, chinese uh, uh, peninsula there. Yeah. Which was actually my first successful route was around that. I went England, France, through uh, Eastern uh, uh, Europe, down through Greece, actually, across the Middle East, across India. Picked up uh, the SS Thunder. And the only reason why I remember the name is because that I realized that was the same ship I took the first time. Uh, from India to China. China... Uh, I was trying to go to Panama City, but it, uh, that was the one derailment that actually cost me sub-50. Because I ended up having to take a couple of days to be able to 
get a new route there uh, across uh, South America up to uh, Northern Africa and then across Europe back to uh, England. Route 2 was across uh, the Trans-Siberian Railroad. Uh, This was, I think this was also the one that I had the murder mystery on, actually. Did you encounter that? No. Okay. Occasionally, occasionally, whenever you read the newspaper, it talks about a hovercraft leaving uh, Japan to Hawaii. It's supposed to be one of the fastest modes of travel. Well, the steampunk Jew gets murdered on that, and you have to try to figure it out. And I did. I had it right, but I just couldn't prove it. <coughs> because you had to have all the evidence. And yeah. that ended up costing me time. Granted, they had to let me go because, you know, they had no evidence that I did it either. But, yeah. But, you know, that's another thing that's interesting, you know? Uh, you hit all these small little things. Uh, you know, you occasionally go boxing. Uh, there was one time in... Uh, I think this was also uh, in Mexico or in uh, Central America that uh, played poker and ended up... Uh, no, 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 no. This was on the north, uh, going north to the North Pole, uh, playing poker and was just able to fleece uh, uh, someone by just, since it was early in the trip, uh, just constantly uh, bluffing and uh, you know, make it so that he couldn't bet. <laughs> and ending up uh, winning several hundred pounds. Or maybe that was in Russia and it was another trip, but yeah, it's... Uh, all sorts of little stories, you know, and that's what really uh, these travel logs are, are just little stories making up parts of a big one. Yeah. So I do like the game. It's just, uh, it trudges along at times. And sometimes, you know, you're kind of screwed over by the seed and just pure luck. But yeah. if you're going into it expecting that, then it's not so bad. Yeah, it's a fun, interesting game. Or a fun, interesting choose-your-own-adventure. It's great. I love it. And I'm, I want to play it a few more times to try and find some more of those little stories. Just take different routes I haven't been on before, which would guarantee new stories. And then, uh, you know, try some different stuff even on the routes that I've been on. Yeah, I was not able to get, take the southern routes at all. Uh, you know, going down uh, through South America intentionally. Yeah. And I, oh, uh, one thing I do love is the ending from the North Pole is, uh, uh, Fogg says, uh, because every time, you know, they say, uh, you know, essentially a variation of, well, let's try it again, you know? Uh, yeah. Win or lose, especially lose, though, you know, he tends to be very hard on trying again. And actually, the yeah. North Pole adventure netted me 13,000 pounds uh, profit from the wager, and I didn't have to get that much money. Actually, I ended up in Canada on nice. on like day uh, forty. So that that you know that's easy to get back from, right? Yeah. Uh, but the North Pole ending—I won't uh, spoil the entire thing. But I also got the positive ending, and I'm pretty sure there's a negative one. He says, "Let's try it again, but let's time uh, let's time uh, this time let's try a more southern route." <laughs> Or a slightly more southern route. <laughs> yeah. He said that to me before, too, when I failed on a, a northern route. But then if you fail on a 
on a southern route, he might say, let's try a northern route. So sweet. So we both enjoyed it. Both liked it. Yeah. Both recommend it. Yeah, I would say yes. so. If you're going into it expecting uh, you know, uh, what you're going to get. Because if you're expecting uh, pure point and click, you're going to be disappointed because of just the pure randomness. If you're going in expecting uh, you know, more of a roguelike adventure, you may be more forgiving of it. And some things just, uh, you know, just uh, to me don't work, particularly the trading thing. It's just too random to be able to really make use of. I would have liked to seen instead had the trading be in area. So, you know, this item sells for a lot in, uh, you know, the Indian subcontinent or in, uh, or in China, which China would be a large grouping of cities yeah. instead of a particular city. Granted, sometimes the bond sale are very close together. Like there's one that's San Francisco, Chicago, which should be doable uh, on a, on a single run. Usually. Yeah. But usually they're, you know, continents away yeah alrighty so we both recommend it yeah. uh, it's 10 bucks on steam regularly it's 5 bucks on mobile regularly I feel like this game is easily worth $10 um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it goes on deep discount though yeah so our next game club game yeah, uh, this one is my fault I suggested this to you when I noticed something and what was your response? I uh, it was all caps and many exclamation points in the reply of yes, yes, very much indeed. We are doing the released as of today, like recording day, BattleTech. Both of us purchased this game brand new, mm-hmm. uh, and have already played it for. I've played it for about two hours already today, and you played it for what? Double that, maybe? Um, uh, Let me go see if I can get my stats, because if I go to my Steam page, uh, Firefox just goes, wah! <laughs> uh, I have just under six. Okay. But I also, so, yeah. uh, I was doing a lot of random missions trying to uh, build up my company. But Battletech yeah. is a squad strategy merc simulation game. Yeah, it's. I mean, we've talked about it in the last couple of episodes, but it's from the BattleTech tabletop game. This is a turn-based strategy game where you build your big stompy mechs and manage your mercenary company. And I, oh boy, I'm just not. I'm just gonna stop talking because I want to go play it, and we're already running over what I thought we were going to record tonight. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, this game is so good, so good, so far, man. So far, so good. But yeah, we're doing Battletech for May's Game Club. Um, I, mean, I, th- I guess my I thought you would uh, go for my idea when I noticed the you know the things lining up, but I didn't realize you'd be this enthusiastic. Oh yeah, I've been waiting for this game for a while, a game like this for a while. Yeah, I mean, I've talked multiple times about my experience with the Mech Warrior franchise and the Mech Commander franchise and BattleTech in general. And the only reason why this books. wasn't on uh, your uh, uh, when to play game list was that I was able to snipe it because I went first. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're doing BattleTech, guys, and I'm very happy about that. I totally understand if no one wants to buy BattleTech brand new, but 
I will say that it's worth it if you like if you like squad strategy. Yeah, if you like squad strategy, so far it's worth it. That, that's that's the thing I want. That's the thing I want to preference is that so far we have barely scratched the surface on it. It's totally worth it. Buy it. You should buy it. It's worth it. Game of the year. My my game of the year right here. I'm calling it. Nothing else better is going to come out this year than BattleTech. And then we'll see if I'm I have sure. to eat those words come December. I'm not sure if that makes me happy or not. Although honestly, if something comes out that's better than BattleTech, bring it on. I'm I want good games. Uh sorry, Sony exclusive game of the year uh, the Sony, uh you know God of War uh, PlayStation 4 only. I don't care about that. <laughs> Uh, Did I mean I I mentioned this before we started recording, but I really really want to play Detroit. I watched a let's play of the first, uh, like mission or the first, um, encounter. Yeah, I'm, or whatever. I'm the, really the first wish, chapter. I know it, it's completely counterintuitive based on uh, just how the way the market works and everything, but I really wish both Sony and Nintendo was more accepting of the of uh the personal computer. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I realize there's no way in hell because those are system sellers. Unless, you know, something happens to Nintendo that they have to cash in. Yeah. Alrighty. Moving on to our only news topic of the week. Yeah, mostly because you wanted a short episode, but (laughs) good luck with that. We could just skip it. I'm all for skipping it. No, I really wanted to talk about this because it's interesting. Okie dokie. Everspace Dev claims they paid thousands for a pro streamer who played like, and this is a quote, fucking moron. Yeah, which I, I did. I played like a fucking moron for free with this game, which I should, full disclosure, I got a review code of this game from a third party. It wasn't directly from the devs, but I did play this game as a review code. So I wanted to be full disclosure here. But there's no money exchanging hands. And the fact that this guy got 5,000 pounds or no, 5,000 euros an hour for a two hour block is just mind blowing to me to begin with. Uh, they don't name and shame the guy uh, in this, but uh, Reddit was able to figure out who it is. Mostly based on the fact that they said Destiny 2 str- uh, pro streamer, and there's not a lot of those. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, he, uh, unfortunately, there's not a a lot of coverage about, uh, a lot of vibes of his uh, coverage of this game. But he uh, supposedly, well, his disclaimer was that, uh, well, I don't really like space games, but I have this uh, sponsored stream to do now after playing Destiny, or or after playing Fortnite for a while. uh, Because this was during his Fortnite kick. And was really dismissive of the game. And when this story started making the rounds, he actually uh, did a reply to one of the uh, uh, one of the tweets about it, saying the game is freaking garbage. So you know, yay professionalism! <laughs> yay. Uh, but the reason why I wanted to, uh, it's not really name and shame him, but it's more talk about this in general. Because this is more of a marketing thing. And I noticed that you just spotted the second link I had here. Uh, uh, he's King Goth, uh, Gothalion. And the reason why I wanted to name him isn't to, you know, be a complete dick. Well, not completely. 
but it's more uh, the site I found that shows exactly what he plays. And Everspace is not even close to anything on his list. And the link in the show notes is his uh, that night stream. You can see this huge drop off once he mentions Everspace just before he switches over to it. (laughs) I mean, that's a rather impressive drop off, huh? Yeah. Something like from 4,000 to th- uh, under 3,000 and kind of just hovers there. Which, uh, yeah, you know, I've realized that there would be a drop off, but also, you know, he, he doesn't play these type of games, so he doesn't really gel with it. If you click his, uh, you know, his uh, games under here uh, and go by total airtime, his top games are, Des- are Destiny uh, with 27 days. Fortnite with 22 days, which is fucking impressive for how long Fortnite's been out. And Destiny 2 with 22 days. And then, you know, you start getting into things like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for 10, Sea of Thieves for 10, which, that's more of a personality-driven game, so, you know, it makes sense that streamer already playing that, because nobody else should be fucking playing that, right? Absolutely. The streamer shouldn't even be playing it. Uh, Borderlands 2, Monster Hunter World for four days, The uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, uh, talk shows which him just chattering away, and Warframe. None of those are even close to Everspace, which is a roguelite uh, space combat game. The closest you get is on the second page with No Man's Sky, and that's not even in the same ballpark. Yeah. I mean, people. To, there are some people who will just watch anything, whatever. Yeah. Um, but either you, you're going to someone for their personality, or the game that they're playing, or and a combination. A lot of, of time, or a combination of both. Yeah, and I would say that the big drop off is the people who didn't care about Everspace. They were there for the Fortnite. Yeah, and, and they left. And the people yeah, and who were there pl- for him. Yeah, and he played stayed. Everspace for uh, just shot of two hours, uh, according to the. Uh, chart here which uh, really means that he didn't get any growth and the people that were dropping off were not really replaced so yeah it's it, it's just fascinating to me that it's t- uh, yeah essentially ten thousand dollars a night for a sponsored stream which the everspace devs are you know pissed with uh, this random yahoo which granted some of the clips i've seen of them yeah random yahoo definitely uh uh is a good descriptor of them, but I will play literally any game you want, developers. If you pay me ten thousand dollars a night, anything, I will play it, and I will pretend to love it. Oh, see, I'll be for ten thousand. I'll be completely night. honest, but I won't play like a fucking moron. I'll at least put some time into the game so I have some uh, skill at it. Which I realize this just puts me above about eighty oh, percent of games journalism. Hey. Oh, sorry, bloggers. They're bloggers when they're not uh, being journalists. That's right. Uh, but this is more really getting into just how games are marketed these days and just going after blindly the top streamers, which, yeah, 4,000 on, uh, what was the date here? October 22nd, 2017. This was when the expansion launched, not the original game. So, October 22nd, that's a Sunday. So, you know, a Sunday night, uh, you know, just before midnight. Uh, and he also gave it a fucking bad slot, Sunday night uh, at 10 o'clock. 
Yo, doesn't yo that just screams contractual obligation, doesn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Uh yeah, this is more just uh, agencies need to understand that Twitch isn't a blind tool. That YouTube isn't yo you just throw it at you just don't throw a game at PewDiePie and expect it to sell. There's a certain demographics. There's a certain markets that you have to really look at and uh, these uh, some of these agencies just don't understand that it seems which is kind of surprising to me because you would expect you know uh, uh, advertising agencies that specialize in video games I'm assuming uh, would do more market research than just you know giving someone 10,000 uh, uh, 10,000 euros like you wouldn't say pounds but it's euros I blame 80 days for that yeah, that's fair. Oh, but <laughs> and also, it really uh, surprises me that there's Destiny two players. I think that's the big takeaway. There's touch. There's Destiny two players or pro streamers. Pro streamers for anything, I guess. But yeah, that's really all we really wanted to talk about was just you know how we're kind of just still in this wild west of trying to figure out how to utilize uh, the what what they they called it. Uh, uh, the influencers, which I absolutely hate that term. I mean, that sounds so scummy, doesn't it? It doesn't sound scummy to me, but it I don't like it. It's it feels awkward. It feels awkward, and it it doesn't it doesn't give a, a positive image, you know. At least in my mind, you know, we're going to yeah. influence you. We're we're going to make you want this. Which, granted, you know, it did work for us, uh, only on a different game. Yeah, but yeah. Well, to be fair, yeah, we wanted it before, but it was more finalizing the thing. But uh, it's just it—it just feels scummy. I guess it feels—it feels icky. It feels dirty. But you know, you have to make sure that if you're giving your game to someone that is more personality-driven, that he doesn't play like a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. Pick someone who plays space games. There are lots of streamers. Who or roguelites in general. because Or, or rogue uh, rogue games. Because, uh, you know, I looked at this list. And, which, yeah, you know, this is a very handy site. I'm going to have to keep a hold of this. I mean, his top list is just, you know, all shooters. Plus, uh, you get to roguelite is things like Sea of Thieves, maybe. But, that yeah, that's more just random request. I'm just going through here, and now you're down to under a day of play time. Oh, granted, this is streaming time, and could be yeah, what he privately likes. It's completely different, which is very possible. But you know, he doesn't. Uh, once you get out of the top ten games that he's done, he doesn't play him for a long. Which just screams to me that you know he doesn't have the audience for that particular genre. Right? Yeah, probably not. Probably doesn't. I mean, it seems to be people who like shooters. Well, uh, well, I shouldn't say under a day. I'm talking about under three hours for most of these, which is usually about a stream or under a stream. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that is about it. I just kind of wanted to uh, vamp on that for a bit and delay you from playing Battletech for some more. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I can right. feel the stink eye. <laughs> 
Uh huh. <laughs> All right, let us move on to our community corner for this week, where we have some tweets. Yes, we do. Uh, it's from uh, that one guy, Kyle, and Mel's. Uh, worthy conversation. I'm going to start playing Spore again, me. Mel's. Okay, 30, 30 minutes later. I have a rough creature design. Mel's. What the fuck is that? I can't tell uh, if it's coming or going. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Was it that dangling face one or no digestive tra- uh, system uh, tripod? Uh, uh, Mel's is asking uh, in another tweet, and Kyle says, either or both? I don't know. Shaking my head. <laughs> nice. Uh, see, I did a call back there. But yeah, that's all the uh, tweetage we have. And if you wish to yeah, have some more content in this, you could email us vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us vglpodcast on the Twitter. See, I was able to get it in before you quickly moved along uh, to Warp Battletech. No, I, I paused to let you do do that. Well, I know you're usually I, rushing me along. Alrighty. So, are we going to queue? Uh, actually, I would like to skip Discovery queue, and it's not just for Battletech. I got a text from Katie. She says she wants to talk oh, to me. Alright. So... Let's skip the queue this week and move on to the wrap-up stage, the portion of the podcast where I go first. And what is coming this week? More scheduled Divinity um, before we wind up running out of episodes again. Uh, There's still a few more in the can. Uh, On top of that, there, of course, will be the podcast. And that's about it. I had a... A busy weekend and also a slightly sickish weekend. My throat, my allergies, and particularly just like killing my throat, which makes it obviously difficult to record anything or stream or do literally anything. My voice has held up pretty well tonight, but I'm going ham on the cough drops, so that's part of it. (laughs) Um, And also, you know, warm beverages and room temperature water. Yeah, well, I, I almost always have room temperature water when I record. Even though I yeah, did have a little bit of apple juice earlier. Last week in particular, like, it was last week we recorded Divinity two nights in a row, and then we did the podcast, and then I played Star Wars RPG, and then, like, Thursday, my voice was, like, cracking. It sounded like I was, like, on the verge of crying all day, because my voice was so, like, cracky and sad-sounding. Um, Wait, that's different? But... Yeah, a little bit different. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so I don't I don't know what I'm going to get to. Just we have the stuff that's already in the can and the stuff that's the most important in the lineup. Yeah, which um, this is number one wanna... priority. Or or would that be number five priority? Yes. Oh, let's see, I was going back to battle tech again. I know. I said yes. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, if you want to find the stuff that is the highest of priorities on my YouTube channel, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where I tweet about all kinds of things, there have been some more random tweets here recently and less politics tweets. Well, are so you getting tired of Trump? Or I, or I should say, uh, yeah, getting used to him? I hope not. But I've just been, I, I've honestly been trying to be intentional about doing other things on Twitter than just politics because it got pretty crazy there for a while. And I don't want to be 
crazy er crazier <laughs> so but yes there have been some more random tweets this week and if you want to find those tweets you can do so by following me at jma4707 if you want to watch me stream things on twitch and use the twitch premiere system to put up our podcast as sort of a live show and other things you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707 and if you want to be my friend on steam or I accept all friend requests and like to chat with the lovely people you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur4707. And uh, occasionally I like to drop a reminder that I am, in fact, a real-life therapist. And You're not just I a do... simulation. No, I'm not just a simulation. And I do uh, talk to people in the community from time to time. And you can rest assured that if you just need someone to talk to or vent to, I am available for you to do so. For all the Steam and... trading cards. <laughs> yes not not really i mean tips of steam trading cards are appreciated but you don't actually have to yeah you just want the but, tip uh, you just don't want uh, want the tip well you know just the tip uh, not mm-hmm. the entire summer sausage i'll eat the entire summer sausage let's be real i'll eat that whole thing because summer sausage is delicious <laughs> and i know what reference you were like i know what you were getting at but summer sausage is really <laughs> delicious all right so, but anyways, I just like to drop that every once in a while. It's been a while since I've, I've dropped that little, that little thing. So, and if you, there you and go. if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week has been changed and is now summer sausage. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because I had something completely different, but no summer sausage that works. Let me just make a note of that. So I don't use it again later. Okay, so my stuff. Uh, things are still running pretty normally. Uh, well, for the most part. I mean, Devaney's looking a little in trouble just because, you know, I haven't had a recording week in the last week. so And we didn't have a lot of extra, but we'll figure that out, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, st- I'm, I'm not sure if I'm coming up on the end of uh, SteamWorld Dig or not. Uh, they talked about the ending, but honestly think I'm nowhere near it, but you know, it's a false ending or there's going to be something else I got to do before it. So we'll have to see on steam world dig. That's been in, uh, interesting though. Uh, rim world uh, is still chugging right along. Uh, things are actually going pretty well on that, which for rim world, that's, uh, yeah, that's a, high, a huge red flag. <laughs> yeah. The calm before the storm. So we'll have to see how things go for that. And if you wish to be a colonist in my RimWorld series, uh, I haven't done this in a while on the, uh, on the podcast either, and join the Victims of Circumstance, you can send me a message, uh, Caffeine Rage on Twitter or Caffeine Rage on Steam. And you can also uh, tell me Summer Sausage if you really want to. Uh, and well, the, uh, uh, the summer sausage and the Sunday sampler are also going uh, rather well, and we'll see how that turns out this weekend. If I can pull myself away from battle tech, which I can hear you, uh, wanting to save the podcast right now. So I'll say, uh, if you wish to catch our show notes, you can do so with our RSS feed, bgopodcast.podbeam.com or you could also catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever Jared has uh, shoved us. I'm not going to do the email again. Uh, okay, I'll do the email again. 
bglpodcast at gmail.com or bglpodcast on Twitter. Or if you have to, if you want to help pay for this absolute insanity, is uh, you're you're being very quiet. I'm just letting you go through. <laughs> this is unnatural silence. I'm not, I'm not slowing you down. <laughs> I know you're slowing down on purpose. No, actually, I'm not. Like, it's just uh, I was a little worried that the connection dropped out or something. Fair enough, but no, I'm just letting you go. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/vglpodcast. If you've enjoyed us and you want to toss us a few bucks. Our intro and outro is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work at incompudeck.com. And <clears throat> as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. So, Battletech? Oh, yeah. Well, first, I have a, t- a conversation with my wife, and then Battletech. All right, I'll see you in the back bay. Bye.